In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. You need to get on the same page with your wife. Mm -hmm. You need to, to find a common ground that you guys can say, we're going to put our flag here. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we, we salute, salute you. you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos. I'm here with my producer and long time co-ministry guy dale culver how you doing man i'm doing excellent hey uh hey i just reminder to the guys to write a review of this podcast uh we share us your hero stories we want to know how god is using our podcast our forum our small groups our books to impact your life i just think it's so important because you're the hero in all of this so we want you the hero to share your stories with us and we will celebrate those stories with all other guys around the world and their wives you know when a man gets it everyone wins and so uh, you had a great hero story recently that you experienced with your dad your wife had a hero story that she experienced with the yeah. quickbooks online representative and i don't know if that guy's listening down in i think costa rica but man what a cool story we'd love to hear from you if you're the guy who's married to the quickbooks representative in costa rica man hit us up we want to hear your perspective because We've got a story uh, about your life. And so, man, super cool to hear that story. Anyway, I'm really excited about this five-episode series that's running through the entire month of July. This is based off of my uh, number one bestseller on Amazon, Strong Men, Dangerous Times, and the five essentials every man must possess to change his world. And those essentials are protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. And so what we've done in the month of July is we've compiled our top 10 podcasts in each of those five categories, and we want to bring those to you, and we want to say, hey, guy, if you missed that episode, you might want to go back and check it out. It was deeply impacting. Mm -hmm. uh, Dale, you don't know... You know a little bit because I just sent you the list, but you really haven't had a time to process these episodes. So uh, a lot of this will be your gut or your knee-jerk reaction to how mm -hmm. these impacted you personally. Right. But what we're doing this month is we're giving you these five episodes, 
And we're also repurposing five equipping episodes that explain in detail each of the five essentials of manhood. And we're also going to be sending out some videos in our equipping blast that you can subscribe to on our website that will also speak specifically to essential number one. And so I want to tell you why we're doing this. We're doing this because we have rewritten a book series and titled it Strong Men Series from the book Strong Men, Dangerous Times. We are starting five online groups through Zoom in the fall, and we're gonna, we've limited those spots to 20 per group only because we really believe, you know, if I'm some rock store telling you how to live your life, like a lot of these guys that podcast do that, they charge $100 a month and you sit at their feet through a Zoom call with 100 other guys and they tell you about how awesome you could be and you could be like them, and we're not like that. We, we want guys to be like Jesus, not like Ramos, right? And so we've recruited these national team captains. You're one of them. We've partnered them up. So every team has two captains, and we're having 20 guys max. So in the fall, we're only launching 100 men on five teams. In the winter cycle, we'll do 100 more. In the, fall, in the spring cycle, we'll do 100 more. And then we're wanting this to perpetuate itself, and those teams will produce leaders who will start new teams. We believe that we could reach hundreds and thousands of men just by this system alone. But this initial group of men is extremely limited. I mean, we have we have only uh, 200 spots in the fall, right? Is that what I'm yeah. saying? No, 100. 100 yeah. spots in the fall. Five teams, 20 max. So 100 spots in the fall, then 100 spots in the winter, and 100 spots in the spring. So this is extremely limited when you have 11,000 men in our forum and you have men from over 120 nations downloading this. And so guys, you need to go to the website and you sign up, just join our program and we'll put you on a waiting list and it's first come first serve. So I'm just letting you know that we're going to launch a team, you know, we'll launch these teams in the fall and that's why we're doing this. We want you to understand what's going on. And then August 1st, we're taking and launching our Best version of a man assessment. So you can go online. Some of you guys have already test-driven this with us. You can take this 40-statement assessment, and you can measure yourself as a man and compare yourself against other men. And so it's really an outstanding resource. It is free. And then from that, we'll ask you to sign up for a team. So that's why we're doing this. Super excited about this. We'd love to get you signed up for a team. But like I said, over the course of the next year, we only have 300 total spots. But what we've seen and what our board believes is the greatest impact that we see in lives over time is men in small groups, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you yeah. lead a small group. You've seen the impact. I mean, can you speak to that at all? Anything you want to add? I was just going to say, I wish when I was young, before I got married, that I would have gotten in a group of, with guys like this because I've, I've looked at my wedding video uh, of me, my rehearsal and wedding video, and I go, who is that idiot? I am embarrassed to to say that that was me. And so if I would have had guys in my life that I was walking with these guys and doing this stuff, (laughs) I would have been way ahead of the curve. My wife would have been a happier wife earlier on because she married a boy for sure for the first many years of our marriage. Well, and you guys just celebrated a month ago. You celebrated 25 years of marriage, so congratulations. And you've been together how many years? Uh, We were dating six years before that. Yeah, so, I mean, it's pretty cool. I mean, that's pretty cool, man. So congratulations for that, and congratulations to her. Yeah. I, <laughs> because, I, I mean, I can only imagine. Oh. Tell me, will you do me a favor? 
tell me one. Now I know that she, now I did your renewal vows. Yeah. And I know that at your wedding, she made the pastor say in the vows, as long as you both shall love yeah, she and not live. Probably planning on not loving me after a while. <laughs> and she also said, if you mention God one time, I'm not, I won't have you marry me. Yeah. She didn't want a religious ceremony. He did pray. And the whole time while he was praying for us, we were on our knees on this little thing, and we were posing really nicely for the photographer the whole time. Like, it was if yeah, we were just, it was for show. It was just it stupid. Was stupid. Yeah. So tell me one stupid thing you did that you saw that you really regret, <laughs> besides the mullet okay. that I'm sure you had. It wasn't a mullet. I thought I was Kurt Cobain. <laughs> I had the haircut like that, and I looked like oh. an idiot. But when we, I was the rehearsal, I'm walking, I come out of the house, and I got a cigarette in one hand and a beer in the other hand, and I'm taking a swig, taking a puff, and I'm like shaking and acting like an idiot. And I'm literally walking down during the rehearsals, smoking and drinking and swaggering on the way down. And then there's a video of us going through our vows. And I'm literally, we're like, Heather and I are like, you know, our faces are pretty close During together. the wedding? During the rehearsal. During the rehearsal. The pastor's standing in front of us, and I'm facing her, and I'm literally smoking the cigarette and blowing it and drinking a beer in the middle of the rehearsal like vows. And the pastor at one point finally had to say, Dale, that's enough. Put it down. And I was like, whatever, dude, whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm walking to my doom. (laughs) Idiot. Just total. I couldn't believe it. I was was thinking jackass, but that's okay. Yeah. Which is the King James version for Jack Donkey. Yeah, uh, so, but I didn't, I all the friends we had in our lives, they weren't yeah. living for Jesus. Uh, there was nobody calling anybody out. If you were stupid enough, they'd just punch you. But, um, yeah, nobody was calling anybody out. Or you know, up. it's really interesting. My oldest son has had an epiphany in the last year, and he's like, hey, Dad, I've had to change my friends. I want friends who are going to mm-hmm. lift me up. I'm thought, yeah. you know what, that's... That's a great move, you know. And he's had a great year. He's bought a house. At, he's in his twenties. Bought a house. No help from anybody. You know, we don't help them. That when they're they're on their own. You know, we're not going to enable that stuff. And so, bought a house. He's in a great relationship with somebody that we love deeply. You know, he's got he's been, he's doing a great job parenting. He's you know he had that he has a child uh, out of wedlock from a one time deal, and uh, we just love her to death. He's being a great father for her. He stepped up. You know, I'm really proud of him, but a lot of it is because he's he's decided he needs to get around friends that are going to lift him up, and I think that's important. I think young guys don't realize how important it is, and guys, well, I'm not going to leave my friends hanging. Well, you know what, dude? Maybe you should grab a hold of something down there and get some muster up your courage, and and you've got to ask yourself this question: What's more important, me hanging out with my jackweed friends or me? raising my life to a level where I actually can be my best version. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't do that, <clears throat> you're like the elephant, the giant elephant stuck to a peg, t- tethered to a peg. That elephant can break that peg whenever it wants, but it's been trained since it was young that it's stuck and limited here. Yeah, that's good. And that's what it does. Yeah. And so you, you know, a rising tide causes all boats to rise. A low tide does the same thing. So what, what do you want to be? You know, birds of a feather flock together, like begets like. You are like the top people that you associated with. And it's just mm-hmm. so true. And so, you know, I think that's really important in our lives. And that's what I want to hang out with guys that are flying high. Uh, you know, I've got friends that struggle, but most of my friends nowadays don't because I just don't do that anymore. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. You know, I mean, I help people and I, 
I care for those who are wounded. But as far as my inner circle, those guys need to be hard chargers. Right. I just don't have time yeah. to waste. Well, and I look at our <clears throat> life where we're at now and the things that we've been able to experience has because is completely because we're hanging out with the right kind of people that call us out, call us up, invest in us. And so we allow them to speak into our life. And man, we've been able to experience things that I never would have been able to experience if I kept living my old life. Mm-hmm. So it's it's pretty amazing. And honestly, if you kept living your old life based on the path you're on, you probably would make a lot more money than you're making now. Yeah. So it's really not about well, the money because you were a business owner. I'd be divorced. You'd be well. divorced, we'd have more money. But I mean, you know what <laughs> no, I'm saying? We often, child asso- <laughs> we often associate this next level with money. Yeah. And we've got to really get that out of our brains because Jesus didn't have modeled that. No. Paul didn't model that. In fact, none of the great men in history modeled that. And you may say, what about Solomon? And I'm like, okay, bro, why don't you really look at Solomon's life? when he, The book of Ecclesiastes, he's lamenting over all of this. If you read the last part of, of, of his story... The guy was broken by his horrible decisions. He made horrible. I, I, I shudder. In fact, two weeks ago, I wrote in my Bible, this is the wisest man in the world. He didn't act like it to me. No. He started very, very well and finished poorly. And we go, oh, well, that he was rich. I go, dude, don't, don't, no, don't do that. Have an 800 wife. Read Ecclesiastes you. before you think money makes you happy. I mean, seriously. Some of the most miserable people I know are millionaires. I mean, just it's it's yeah. so. But your life would have been headed towards a career and money, more money. But it it's not you. Your career headed towards ministry, and you actually have more wealth now than you would have otherwise, even though you might have had more money. Yeah, we've been to some amazing dinners that I never would have been able to afford. But it wasn't because we paid for it. It was because someone gave us a gift certificate. And you're like, you're in there going, people really live like this? this yeah, but that's a ministry-related yeah, thing. Somebody blessed awesome. you because of your impact on yeah. their lives. And so yeah. you know, that's really cool. So anyway, hey, want to jump into the podcast. We're dealing with the top 10 podcasts of all time in the essential leading courageously. Now, I've shared this already. This is the most competitive category of the five, because our focus is the man living in the stress bubble. Mm-hmm. He's 28 to 50-something years old, and he's got kids in the home. He's mm-hmm. in the bubble. We call it the arena, the men in the arena, the men in the stress bubble. And so this is highly competitive because we focus a lot of our energy on how to father better and how to love your wife better. That's a massive focus. So I just need to tell you, this is a highly competitive category. Now, in this category, I want to share this again. Some of these are top teners, not because of the content, but because of the man. I'm thinking of one in particular who I believe is the greatest man I've ever interacted with. Mm. And he's on this list, and his podcast was not great. And it wasn't great because it's one of our early podcasts, and we really had a lot to learn. I need to bring him back on the show because I've read a couple of his books I really want to dive deep into, but this guy is an amazing human. Some guys are great authors, and their book deeply impacted me. Their book, maybe uh, the book spoke to me, or maybe they said something in the podcast, or maybe I was inspired to do something new because of their book or what they said. And others uh, maybe had a life experience that was deeply impactful and meaningful. And I don't think anybody on today's list really fits that bill. 
uh, actually. <laughs> but uh, if we go back to the last episode dealing with pursuing God passionately, you know, we had Rick Robinson was number one. We had Greg Matthews was, I think, top five or six. And so sometimes guys have a story that is impacting them. So uh, one guy I, I'm going to throw onto the bus, not an, not out of love, a little bit out of, out of love because I thought the podcast and his book was amazing, but there was a story that was really hilarious that nobody else would know, and I think we should share it. It'll be fun. So let's jump into the top 10 podcasts under the essential, Leading Courageously. Number 10 is... And I, I don't know, this would be number one or two anywhere else, but number 10 is Bill Farrell, episode 201. He wrote a book with his wife. He's written several books. They do a lot of writing and speaking on marriage. And the book is called Red Hot Monogamy. Now, mm-hmm. this is a book about sex. Now, I know years ago I read a book called Sheet Music. I can't remember who wrote the book, but you know, uh, I, I don't know if I shared this on the podcast yet, but my wife and I, every 10 years we basically go through marriage counseling. Right, so we didn't do it the first ten years, but at year twenty we needed it, so we did it. And as we're coming around our thirty-year anniversary, we just took uh, we took uh, a test online, and it's through an organization that I am actually a licensed facilitator. It's called Prepare Enrich. I highly recommend it. I mean, and I've been doing counseling with Prepare Enrich for years, probably fifteen years, and I've always thought Shannon and I need to go through this, and so. We're at the 30-year mark of our marriage, and we're like, we're going to go through counseling. So we're doing great, but we're going through counseling because I think healthy couples get help. It's like we were saying, birds of a feather flock together. So we approached our pastor and his wife, and they said, and she, they, they do that. They, they've spoken publicly that they do that. And she said, yeah, I'm licensed, preparing rich. I said, no way, I am too. So my wife and I just took the test yet two days ago. No, yet two days ago. I beat her. I was done faster than her. I was teasing her. I'm done. No, you're only 88%. Anyway, we've taken the test, and we're going to go into counseling. But when we were taking the test, this test judges you on your couple agreement score uh, as far as how much you as a couple align with each other. And the most satisfied marriages have the most alignment in their marriage, which we're going to find that out in our number nine today. But we're going through the sex part of it, and I'm like, oh, baby. I'm thinking, man, we hit this out of the park, 10 out of 10. I mean, we've had a great (laughs) sex life all of our marriage. Sex has never been the problem. So I know that category, we're going to hit the ball out of the park, baby. But Bill Farrell, Bill and Pam wrote a great book on monogamy uh, and and sex in marriage, Christian marriage. And it's really actually kind of graphic, (laughs) to be honest with you. I mean, mean, at one point in the book, Pam is writing about how she, like... (laughs) Is tickling his downstairs. I mean, it's pretty graphic, but it's a it's a great book, and we had a great podcast. And I just think guys need to go back and listen to that because you know when you're in high school, guys love to talk about sex. They love to lie about sex, but when you're <laughs> yeah. married, it's the thing guys never talk about. They never mm-hmm. talk about their sex lives, and I think the reason why is most men are a little bit embarrassed by the infrequency of it, by the quality of it, by the fact that maybe the marriage isn't healthy and the wife is not willing to open herself physically or spiritually to her husband or emotionally, and there's a struggle. And so I think this is a great book for marriages that are struggling in the sex department. Number nine is a a guy who I met speaking at an Iron Sharpens Iron conference, and his book was amazing, and it's a book called The Elephant in the Marriage. And it's booked by a pastor out of, I think, Wisconsin, Jason Karampatsos. And it's episode 239. And for his doctoral thesis, 
he did research on marriage and the most satisfied marriages. And what he came up with, again, the organization Prepare and Rich already knew this, but what he came up with was really, really insightful and impacting. Do you happen to remember what it was? I mean, you have no idea what I'm talking about here except for his show, but do you have any memory personally without the cheat sheet of from that episode? Yeah, it was trying to get you to get to know your wife and understand okay. her. And so that was one of the big, big things was sitting down and listening to her and trying to get a nugget of something new about her. And so, you know, when you start dating, you usually you do a lot of that, but then you, over time, you forget about so, it. So what Dale's doing is he's taking his hands, he's he's linking them together, and that's absolutely right. So what, what Karen Patsos discovered in the book was that couples who are the most similar, in other words, they agree on the most things, spirituality, sex, child-rearing, finances, politics, whatever it is, the couples that agree and are the most similar have the second most satisfied marriages of any people who are married. But the monumental work here that I thought was really interesting is that couples that perceive that they are similar in all these categories, even if they are not, have four times more satisfying marriages than the couples who actually are the most similar. Mm. What's the takeaway? The takeaway is this. You need to get on the same page with your wife. Mm Mm-hmm. You need to to find a common ground that you guys can say, we're going to put our flag here. So finances, we're in agreement. Politics, we're going to find a middle ground. We're going to agree on a middle ground. Spirituality, sex, child-rearing, leisure, friendships, conflict resolution, all of these major categories that you put the stake in the ground, the flag in the ground, and say, this is us right here. So if you can do that, you're going to be all right. You're, you're going to have a more satisfying marriage than these couples who, man, she's a far, she's a leftist, you know, politically, and he's a righty, oh. and man, they just can't seem to meet in the middle. Or she's a, you know, he's a he's a uh, he's a Protestant Christian, and she's a Catholic. Or, or you know, she's a she's in great shape and fit, and he's a fat you know, tomato, you know, I mean, you have, or, you know, this, 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 a guy's a Christian who goes to church and she's a Christian who doesn't go to church. And you have all of these dissimilar, or you disagree on how you do your, 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 your financial situation. You know, you've got a credit card spender over here. Ramsey calls it the free spirit. And then you've got the nerd over here trying to control, to control the free spirit. Kind of that's you and your wife. Your wife is the nerd. She's the money person. You're the free spirit. But you have said to her, I will let you be the nerd, and I will comply with your nerdiness financially. And so you guys have a great partnership because you agree with the finances because you've said, okay, Heather, I see your way is a better way, so I'm going to lead you in the direction of take over the money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that's really smart, right? And so that's I think that's important. And so that's what this book is about. It was really impacting to me because I realized Shan and I are on the page on almost everything – and those other little minor things that we aren't on the same page, we need to find a way to get on the same page. Right. So number eight was Gary Chapman, episode 344. Gary uh, sold over 13 million copies of his book, The Five Love Languages. Everybody I know who's a believer, almost everybody I know has heard of this book. And a lot of people who aren't believers have heard of this book. This book is 
unbelievable. And what I did as a dad is I had my kids take the test, so I know what my children's pathway is to loving them. I know what their love languages are, and then I know what Shanna's are. And it's really funny because for years I thought, man, she gets so angry about the house being cleaned and she, you know, and all these things. I go, what is the deal here? Well, my wife's love language is acts of service. I mean, I literally call her the queen. And it just means I'm going to serve you. When I decided at age 28 to outlove and outserve my wife, it absolutely changed my marriage. And I didn't know it at the time. God told me, I want you to outlove and outserve your wife. And I didn't know it at the time, but that was her love language, acts of service. Now, my love language is words of affirmation. Every card at Father's Day, I got these cards. My kids gave me these beautiful cards. And what do I do? I put them on display. And then I put them in my library. And I put them, I use them as bookmarks. So when I'm reading a book, I have it. And then when I'm done reading a book, it goes into my library with the book. So I have these cards going back 20, 30 years that I've saved because that is my, I have a file in my file cabinet called notes and notes that people have written. And it's just notes of, that people have written thanking me for ministry and their life change. And those things really impact me deeply because I, I have a love language of being affirmed. And so mm-hmm. it's super important that we tap into our love language and the love language of our spouse. I rub my wife's feet five nights a week. That's not four nights a week to five nights a week. Not an exaggeration. And I always thought it was because her love language was physical touch or quality time. But now I know it's because it's acts of service. Mm. When I rub her feet, it's an act of service to her. And that's what resonates with her, not the touch or the quality time. Mm. Really, really interesting. So this was a, and here's the other thing about Gary I'll say Gary is 83 years old. We've had Gary on the podcast twice. And he is a remarkable human because of his humility and the way God has used him. Did you have any thoughts about Gary and the interactions you had with him? Yeah, it really helped me to understand my wife better uh, with these different things. And I so I started diving into that. And when we just had our anniversary dinner, I using this and understanding this helped me to go, okay, I know it's a big deal for her. And I just told her, I will take care of everything. You just come home from work at this time, and I'll take care of everything. I took care of the whole date, and I blessed her, and I made sure I didn't spend a ton of money because I know she stresses about the finances because she's the nerd. <laughs> and I took care of all that stuff, and she she just to look at her, I could tell she was blessed. You opened her up. Yeah, I did. And then they open up uh-huh. when you open them yep. up. <laughs> so, oh. so here's my question. I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot, but what do you think her love language is? She loves it when I serve her, um, and so acts of service. Uh, one of the gifts I did for her anniversary is I tore our AC unit apart that's on the wall, completely disassembled it because the the blower wheel was packed full of garbage, and it wasn't blowing very well, and it was blowing like black mold out of it. So she had been talking about that needing done, and I did it for her, and she was like, I love you. Thank Acts you for blessing service. me. So what's your love language? I would say I'm more on the, the affirmation. You know, I'm also a guy who has cards galore. Yeah. I save them all, and then yeah. if I'm depressed and sad and I feel like a loser, I can read them and go, oh, see, people love me. <laughs> You're, you know, every guy on the planet says their love language is physical touch, but they're lying because they want sex. But I think yours might be. 
I mean, I think you might have that. Oh, you I'm like a to hug. And I'm a hugger. You're, yeah. you know, I think there is a thing there, there for you. And when so, I see somebody who's broken and hurting, I'm like, man, I just want to give them a hug. And I've had to train that into myself as a ministry guy. So, so number seven, and I'm gonna, I know that you have a takeaway here because both of us were shocked. This is a Don Minter episode 178. He's a pastor in Arizona, average sized church, written several books with his wife. And he wrote a book called 31 Days of Paradise, which is basically, it's designed to be a <clears throat> daily reading for a month. But I, I don't think I would read it that way because the chapters are longer, and I think they're each pretty detailed. I would say 31 months. I would take a year to do this, but <clears throat> great book. Two things impacted me on this book, and one of them I was sharing with a guy this morning. A guy called me this morning about a relationship problem he's having, and I shared this principle this morning with him. It just came out of midair. So when you think about the Don Mentor podcast, were there things that impacted you? So you go first. Well, I would say uh, loving my wife through her brokenness. Mm. So first of all, let me preface by saying we're all broken. You know, my need for affirmation and your need for affirmation is probably more birthed out of brokenness, right? My wife has a brokenness, and the broke, and I won't share the brokenness because it's her brokenness, but I didn't understand it was a broken thing until about five years ago. I just thought it was a bitchy thing. I just thought, why is she always on me? For, what is going on? And I realized, and it was funny, she would nag me about things, and then she would disrespect me, and the thing that she would disrespect me about would be the very thing she wanted from me. Once I realized what her brokenness was and identified that brokenness, I began to love her in the midst of and in spite of her brokenness, and the goal is to love her through her brokenness, right? So that's my goal for her, and I want her to look back on her life. If I were to die tomorrow, which I'm okay with that, or if I was to die in 50 years, which I'm not okay with that. I don't want to be around when I'm 105. I want her to say, no man could have loved me better than him. So for me, loving her through her brokenness, and I think I know what you're going to say for you, but go ahead. For us, what I was going to say is that we've gone through a lot of counseling for our son who we've adopted, and then through that, it's brought out some things that she's had to deal with, and then they've helped her identify some things, and we're seeing where where she gets upset with me the way I parent Noah, but it comes out of her brokenness that she has mm-hmm. from her childhood. Mm-hmm. And so now it makes sense. She's not just trying to control me and be this mean person that in the past I've thought, man, what, you're just trying to control me. What are you doing here? Mm. And you're trying to disrespect me or whatever. And then I come to find out she's been through some stuff when she was younger that causes her to rear up, to be triggered, because it reminds her of that thing subconsciously or whatever. And so I need to understand that better. And so I can change my response and how I act so that I don't set her off. And then we go into this crazy cycle. Well, we'll talk about that in a bit. So (laughs) you didn't say it. I thought you were going to say, because the second thing about this podcast that wrecked me and still wrecks me, and I actually had to repent of it publicly on podcast ranking number one down the road here, but I did not frame my wife well. Yeah. So Mentor talks about framing your wife well. So I frame my wife in front of my kids as, you know, picky, naggy, anal about the house. And I I painted this portrait. So when you think of framing, this portrait of my wife to my kids 
that did not do her justice. And I still will default to that. I'm, I'm sad to say it, but I will. It just breaks my heart. And so what I'm working on is to frame her, to paint a picture of her to my friends. and my. I do this well with my friends, but with my children, when the crazy comes out, I paint a wrong picture of her to my kids. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm working on that because her brokenness manifests. And then I paint this portrait of her, and I paint a portrait of her brokenness instead of loving her through her brokenness. You know, Jesus doesn't look at us and see our brokenness. Look at Gideon, oh, mighty man of valor, oh, mighty warrior, while he's hiding in a wine press thrashing, threshing wheat. You know, Jesus doesn't look, you know, the woman at the, the well, the, you know, he saw the evangelist to Samaria. He didn't see a broken woman who'd had five husbands and who's not living, and living with the one she's married, not, you know, with now. God, when he looks at us, he does not see our brokenness. He sees the blood of Jesus and he sees who we can become in him. He sees our best version. He sees that thing we create. he created. And so my job is to see that in my wife and to paint a better picture of her. Yeah, and we've, we have I've dealt with that as well because me, and I think my wife has done it maybe occasionally too, and now I've been noticing that, so I change it. And my, when my kids are like... Mom was like over here going, why are you doing that? That's not, get over here and do this. And I go, did mom really say it like that? And so I got to like recognize in the past, we would just joke around and say things like that. But you're framing her right there as Mm a not very nice person. And And sadly, it may take years for my sons to get past that Yeah, because of me. Now, let me add this, you know, our, our wives' behavior is our wives' behavior, and they've got to deal with their behavior, right? But we don't want to, what do they call it nowadays, gaslight the situation yeah, yeah. by making it worse than it is, yeah. right? We don't want to enable the, our wives' poor behavior. We also don't want to gaslight it. We want to paint a picture that's accurate and honoring. Mm-hmm. I think honoring is the big word. Yeah. And so anyway, uh, number six, this one here. Uh, this one's got to make you laugh. When I say number six was Bill Harley, episode 128, Bill wrote a book on marriage that needs to be in the library of every man. I quote it often. The book is 40 years old. His needs, her needs. Now, hey, Bill's got a great ministry. Uh, the book is amazing. I, you need to buy the book. It needs to be in your marriage library. You know, he unpacks the top 10 needs that we have as men, the top 10 needs we have as women. And remember the whole women will give love or give sex to get love, Mm -hmm. and men will give love to get sex. That plays out beautifully in his book, His Needs, Her Needs, because the number one need of men is sex. Number one need of women is affection. So we have this sex affection cycle going that we see manifested in high school relationships over and over again. But the thing that strikes me about this podcast, and I'm going to share this because I think it's hilarious. We, when we were talking to Bill, Bill said, hey, it's before the interview started. He said, hey, we're talking about marriage and his marriage and how great his marriage is. And I think his marriage is great. I'm not discounting that. But he had made a statement that, you know, my wife in 53 years of marriage never have been in a fight once. And no sooner had he said that, but his wife opened the door and started screaming at him to get it, to remember the radio show on marriage was happening. He goes, okay, honey. And, and, and so kind of, I was like, so that's not a fight? Her screaming at you is not a fight? No, 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 no. That's not a fight. It's just her screaming at me. I'm like, okay, whatever. 
<laughs> so it just struck me as funny, you know, that here this happens before the podcast, and here's this guy. It goes to show you that the greatest men out there, the most godly men out there, the, the best marriages out there, let me tell you something. There's still marriages. And any marriage where you don't fight is not a strong marriage. Now, now I think that Bill might have been exaggerating a little bit there because clearly she was rant, ripping him a new one. <laughs> so maybe we just need to redefine what fight looks like. <laughs> well, that that part was obviously not in the podcast. No, but it was hilarious. We edited that. It was hilarious. So anyway, number five, uh, Michelle Watson Canfield. She's the only solo female we've ever had on the show, episode 443. She wrote a book for dads called Let's Talk. She is known as the dad whisperer. And I'm a guy who has sons. So I talk to my sons way different. And I've been teaching my wife for 20 plus years how to talk to the sons and talk to them as men and not children. Because women will default to their girl talk, pink. Men will default to blue talk, men talk. The problem now is I've got two women in my three women in my life besides Shanna. I've got a granddaughter who I just adore. I've got two two gals. One is getting married to my middle son in a month, and one is getting engaged to my oldest son very soon. And these are daughters. I mean, I'm treating them as daughters. And I have to speak to them different. Mm-hmm. I have to whisper to them and learn how to whisper their language. Not literally whisper, but figuratively. And I think Michelle, when Michelle's podcast went live, it was the greatest spike we've ever had of people listening to our show. Why do you think that is, Dale? You <laughs> well, have three daughters. I have three daughters, and I wish I would have read her book or heard her speak uh, before my daughters were born. Uh, so I think men are going, oh, yeah, this is gold. I need to, I need to listen to this. And so, and I'm guessing that the you guys that listened to it, it was very impactful for you. My daughters are almost out. I have one left in the house, and I have to like go in there and go, "Honey, yeah, tell me about your day. What are you thinking about? Yeah, talk, open, let them talk, let them talk, let them talk." And it can be tiring, but you need to just smile and let them talk. Don't solve anything. Just love them. Oh, man. they need to know their. Well, my middle son's fiance did the longest run of her life a week ago. She did a 10K. And, she, you know, and it was a great accomplishment. So I just sent her a text, man, thinking about you today. I'm so proud of you for the run. I love you. And what do you think that Huge. did for her? Huge. You know, and it's, and so learning, I think, guys, we, and here's the deal guys, you only have to learn how to speak their language till they're out of the house. And then you don't have to worry about it ever again. <laughs> Oh, not oh, Hey, I've got a property in Iowa I want to sell you. It's got the great yeah. view of the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a yeah, my my uh middle child was in the house the other day that she doesn't live in the house anymore, but I saw her there and I'm like, "Hi, how are you doing, honey? How's life been going? What are you up to? Is there anything I can help you with?" You know, just like, "Yeah, tell me more about that." You know, and they'll open up. So just let them know you're there, you're available, you love them, you care about them, and let them talk. Yeah, guys, you need to go to YouTube and watch the YouTube video called It's Not About the Nail. That'll help you. Trust me. Yeah. I say this to my wife all the time. I'm so sorry, honey. Or if I'll just say, tell me about your day, and then just say, I'm so sorry every five minutes, 
I'm good to go. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they just want to talk and they want to have somebody to process their life with. So number four is West Stafford, episode 48. So this podcast was not a good podcast. I thought it was. Well, it was a it. good podcast because it was Wes Stafford. Wes, for 20-plus years, was the president of Compassion International. He took the organization to a budget of over $500 million a year, and over 2.5 million children sponsored through their various programs. Do you know how many kids that is? That is unbelievable how many kids. And 82% of the income given went right to the kids. Wes, and, and I'm saying this with all intensity and integrity and seriousness. Wes is the greatest man I've ever met. Mm -hmm. From the first time I heard him speak, from all my interactions with him, he's the greatest human being I've ever met. He embodies Jesus like I've never seen before. I just, the guy radiates masculinity, Jesus. He sets up on our podcast, you know, he's given his life to children. He wrote a book called Too Small to Ignore in Just a Minute. We're going to get him on the podcast in the next year again and have him talk about those books. How I Interact with Noah, your son, and other children is directly because of this guy. In fact, I I see that. I completely see it and recognize it. Well, and it's funny. I was getting gas the other day, and I'm sitting at the Shell station getting gas. I look over. Car next to me is a father and two sons, and one of the sons has lime green hair. I mean, lime green hair. And I'm looking at him. He's about eight years old. And I look at my wife. She's all, you're going to do something stupid, aren't you? I go, you know it. <laughs> and I go, hey. And he looks over, and I go, your hair, I, and I pull off my hat, and of course I'm bald, your hair is awesome. I love it. And he looked at me, and he got this smirky face. His dad started laughing. And as I pulled away, the little brother in the back seat was waving to me, see you later. You know, it was like, you know, this little kid's going, ah, my hair's awesome, you know, because I'm sure he did it. And his parents were like, dude, that was dumb. Yeah. You know, but yeah. it was just fun. And so I think, you know, you just never know when you're going to impact a child. Mm-hmm. And I'm reminded of D.L. DL Moody, you know, the great evangelist in America. You know, he came home from a revival one night. And his wife said, how'd it go? And he said, you know, it went all right. She goes, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, I preached a great sermon, but only two and a half people gave their life to Christ. And she goes, oh, what? I'm sorry to hear that. So two adults and a child. And he goes, what? No, two children and an adult. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. that kid's got a full life to live. Yeah. And as a youth pastor, you know, we know that the decisions these people make for Christ, the majority of them make them before they're 18. Mm-hmm. And so Wes's heart for God and just sitting at the feet of a great man uh, is awe-inspiring, and so uh, for me, I'm all about the man. You know, you hire the man and create the position. You know, the man, West Stafford, the man. It doesn't matter what the topic is. Because of him, great things are going to flow out of him. You know, Matthew 12 says, out of the overflow of a heart, a man speaks. And so, man, he just... I remember sitting and listening to him speak for the first time thinking, and I actually thought this. That's actually, I wrote this in my bathroom book for men. I actually thought, I wish my wife could say she's married to a man like that. It was mm-hmm. that convicting. Yeah. So number three, Emerson Egricks, episode 361. Emerson wrote one of the best books on marriage I've ever read called Love and Respect. And Dale, you mentioned it earlier in the show. He talked about the crazy cycle. Mm-hmm. You know, that when, you know, first of all, that, that the default setting of a man, it's really interesting. In the household, uh, uh, in the household, codes of Peter first I'm sorry first Peter Colossians 3 and 4 and Ephesians 5 and 6 
In Ephesians 5 and 6, God or Peter tells men to love their wives five different times. And in that same passage, he never tells the women to love their husbands once. Not one time. But all he tells women to do is respect their husbands. And what it hit me that the default setting for men is respect. I mean, respect is the greatest gift you can give a man. And so I don't really care if my wife loves me, but I want her to respect me. If she respects me, I will experience all of her love because of the respect. Through respect, I'll experience that. My wife's default is love. Women are made for love. Their bodies are made for love. I mean, they're, they've got breasts that, that physically supply to their children and to their husbands. They've got curves. They've got all these beautiful things. They're made for love. Their default is love. Women love naturally. It flows out of them. Men naturally respect. So God tells men to do what's unnatural. It's just like God. I, I love it. He says, I know your natural propensity is to respect, but I'm going to ask you to love your wife. And women, I know your natural propensity is to love, but I want you to respect, which women don't do well. Mm-hmm. They don't do that. They do respect as well as men do love. And he asks us to do what's difficult. And if we don't do that right, we get into this crazy cycle. And Emirates talks in depth about you know speaking blue to your wife, learning how to speak her language. Men uh, and, and, and women speaking the language of their husbands, speaking blue. So blue speaking pink and pink speaking blue. And and when we don't respect, we don't love, we get in this crazy cycle. And it, it's just so good. About two weeks ago, my wife and I were having a real rough, real rough week. We had the, one of the biggest fights of our lives. And I realized, oh, I'm in the crazy cycle. Mm-hmm. So I just need to go over to her and love her. And I did. I went over to her and loved her and pulled her right out of the cycle. It just went, we just left the cycle because I decided I'm going to break the cycle and I'm going to stop withholding my love from her, and I'm going to embrace her in love. And I physically did that. Mm. And it just changed her. And the respect came back, and our relationship kept on rolling. That's good. And so it was so good for me to recognize, and I think that's important. So that's a phenomenal book on marriage. And don't you're yeah. in a Bible study right we're, now, aren't we're you? We're actually, uh, with a small group, going through this right now, uh, two couples. And uh, my wife will respect will remind me, Every so often now, honey, I need you to look through my pink glasses. They're so good at that. <laughs> and I go, okay. Oh, that's funny. So no, that's number three. Number two really is probably the sleeper podcast of all sleepers. This one surprised me more than any. This is a guy. Somebody reached out to me and said, hey, here's this guy's book. You should think about this guy. It was a little book. I mean, Dale, 119 pages, a little tiny book called What Radical Husbands Do. And in episode 293, we had Reggie Campbell on the podcast. Uh, sadly, a year later, he passed away. Uh, it's tragic. Mm-hmm. But that book, I, I mean, I, I still, when I think of that book, I thought, man, what a shocking book. In 119 pages, I mean, he tells the story of his broken marriage, starts off that way, and then he launches into this methodology that I thought, man... This is so powerful. And there were a couple takeaways for me personally that were really important. I mean, when I listened to this podcast, I went into Facebook. I had like 5,000 friends on Facebook. I was like almost maxed out. I purged about 2,000 women. If you weren't in my youth group and you weren't somebody who I interact with regularly, you're gone. I just purged them Mm -hmm. because of this podcast. Tell me what impacted you about this podcast. Yeah, so... One of the things was that 
you're supposed to start loving things that your wife loves. Oh, yes, that's good. And, uh, and when we were working in Hawaii at the house there, my wife had called me and she said, so did you go to the, watch the sunset yet? I'm like, no. She's like, why not? It's so beautiful. And I'm going, honey, I don't care about sunsets. You love sunsets, so I love looking at sunsets when I'm with you. Otherwise, eh, I could, I've seen a thousand sunsets, but I'll do it for you because it's special mm-hmm. to you. And, and I know that she likes to have an orderly house and, and these kind of things. So I know that when I'm doing those things, it's blessing her. And so learning to find out what it is that your wife loves and then love those things as well. It's funny, Dale. In October of 2005, my wife made a proclamation that we are going to Hawaii. Now, <clears throat> first of all, I can't swim. At the time, I wasn't a swimmer. I hated the water. Mm-hmm. October is football season, and I coach football, and it's hunting season, and my time off is limited. I was, I'll be honest with you, I was pissed. Yeah, uh, how dare you? How dare you do this? Like, you can't just proclaim something. So I went to Hawaii. She finally said, I've worked hard to make this trip happen. I need you just to... We had a friend of ours gifted us to stay for a week at a timeshare deal. So I went kicking and screaming. And we ended up baptizing my oldest son there at McKenna Beach on the island of Maui. I stepped into 80-degree water, and I could float in salt water. (laughs) Quite frankly, I fell in love with the ocean. I fell in love with Hawaii. I fell in love with this type of vacation because every vacation I'd had before involved guns or fishing poles. (laughs) Since then, I've become scuba certified, and we, we go back to tropical locations constantly. It's our go-to. And if you actually look in my About the Author section of the book, Strong Men, Dangerous Times, I have that included. And it's not that I loved doing that stuff. To me, that was a waste of money and a waste of a week. Wow. Because nothing's dying, right? (laughs) But because she loves it, I learned to love it. And now I love it. I'm going to be honest with you. I love it. Mm -hmm. Learn to love what your wife loves. Learn to that was impactful. Here's the other thing for me. I shared that I purged all of those women out of Facebook. And there was nothing illegitimate or adulterous or there was there were no guardrail breaches, nothing like this. But I realized that I needed to burn the ships. And I needed my wife to realize I burned the ships. Mm. And I needed my wife. It's important for me. You know, I've been married to my wife almost 30 years. And I'm not going to die and have some dark secrets come out. I mean, you know my darkest secrets. I've been faithful to my wife. I've never come close to cheating on her. Mm -hmm. But you know what? Have I burned the ships? Hmm. I don't know. I have memories of things that were done before Christ with other women that I'm 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 not proud of. You know what I'm saying? You know, have I burned those memories? Have I burned the all? And I'm... Relationships with any women. I don't. I just basically don't have relationships with women. I, I just don't do it. I don't interact with women, and all the relationships I have are through Shanna or through work. You know, I don't have social media interactions with women. Uh, it's just not wise. It's not smart. And here's the deal: it's not necessary. <laughs> the only woman who needs to have a relationship with me is my wife. 
and every other woman can shove it. I, I honestly, I don't care what they think about that. I don't have to have a relationship with any other woman but my wife. So that was a great reminder. Burn the ships. Of course, that goes back to Cortez and all that. And he actually scuttled the ships. He didn't actually burn the ships, but <laughs> but whatever. So burn the ships, scuttle the ships. So get sink the ships is the bottom line. So so number one is uh, our uh, recent episode with Paul and Virginia Friesen, episode 421. They wrote a book together called The Marriage App. You know, Paul and Virginia do uh, spiritual stuff with the New England Patriots. My wife and I took our children to a family camp on Catalina Island down in California for years that he and his wife ran. And uh, now he's just got a ministry called Home Improvement. He works with marriages. And him and his wife called in from Hawaii, and we decided to do something different. I brought Shanna into the studio. Shanna and I were live in the studio, and Paul and Virginia took us through their process. Mm-hmm. And that I'll be good. honest with you, Dale, you were there. It got real, man. I yeah. mean, there were tears in that room, and uh, it was real. And I remember asking my wife, I wasn't expecting to do this, but I remember in the in the interview with tears in my eyes, asking her to forgive me for not framing her well mm-hmm. in front of my kids. And uh, it was just very powerful. It may have sucked to everybody else, but for me, it was powerful. <laughs> so it's number one. Having Shanna with me, it's always better when Shanna is with me. I well, mean, honestly, everything in my life is better if Shanna is with me, except a hunting trip. It's worse when she's with me. <laughs> but everything else besides a hunting trip is better when she's with me. So when she was in the room, it was just so powerful just to look into those beautiful green eyes and uh, to interact with my wife and banner back and forth. We love to banner. We love to talk smack to each other, and you know it's foreplay. And, you know, and, and but just to have her in the room and be able to get some things off my chest that I didn't even know were there. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? You were there. Well, this was honestly the only podcast I've ever listened mm. to with my wife on a road trip that we did. I'm like, we have to listen to this one together. This was so good, and we did. And um, she didn't like the fact that Virginia was talking about her husband jumping over piles of clothes. Because he was and, such a slob. Yeah, and he's wired differently and all this and that. She goes, that does not give you permission to leave crap on oh, the ground. Oh, that sounds like Heather. Yeah. My wife would say the same thing. In fact, my wife did say the same thing. That's yeah. enabling. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, I'm creative, honey. So yeah. it's okay that I leave. I have they're Which not, is a lie, by the way. <laughs> my, my pants are not dirty, but they're not clean, so I have to put them over here because I might wear them again. Oh, you my know? wife says it all the time. You're, you have piles everywhere. I'm like, I, I know, but they're, I, I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, it was oh. so good. Um, and that whole asking forgiveness thing was awesome. Um, I This was on marriage, uh, the way it all worked out with you guys and everything going through this, definitely my number one uh, on marriage. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I appreciate. Well, you know, I think I think um, a takeaway is, um, you know, what there's power in asking our wives to forgive us. Mm-hmm. Um, and the hard part is if you have an argument and things go south and things escalate you oftentimes will say, forgive me, to make it right. But really, there's greater power when three or four or five years down the road, when you say, you know, I said this thing, and I want to ask for your forgiveness. So my wife and I got in a bad fight about, it started off good. It started off with, we bought new silverware. (laughs) 
<laughs> and it was 1030 at night. We got home. My wife's love language is acts of service. So I thought, I'm going to get all the silverware out of the boxes. We bought 10 pl- silverware settings. Put them in the dishwasher. I'm going to take the old ones out, put them in a Ziploc baggie, and take them to Goodwill. I thought, man, I'm, I'm a great... At 1030 at night. We're both tired. We had a long day. She comes in the kitchen. What, what are you doing with these ones in the bag? Oh, they're going to Goodwill. And she wanted to save them, which I don't understand. They're still sitting in the same box untouched. Well, it escalated, and it ended with her saying, I'm going to throw your antlers away. And she's in the garage on the tool bench getting ready to throw the antlers away because I'm throwing the spoons away. And listen, I'm telling you what, you can do a lot in my life. You were donating them. Don't touch the damn antlers. (laughs) I mean, when she touched the antlers, I went ballistic. And so we had this big fight, right? And so, man, it it was a big fight. And we hadn't had a fight like that in years. And slept on the couch. I slept in the spare bedroom. I'm just being real with the guys here. This is marriage, right? And um, made it right with her. Made it right with her again. You know, I asked her to forgive me two or three. You know, sorry, I'm just it blew up. You know, and then a month later, I went back to her and I said, you know, honey, I said I really need you to forgive me. I. Just felt like I was, I let things escalate and I just got out of control and I am sorry and I just need you to forgive me. And it was a month later. And I think for that, that settled deeply in her spirit because it was, there was nothing behind it besides just, I'm sorry that, that I let this escalate. And so I think there's power in that in a relation, in a marriage mm-hmm. where a lot of times we'll go, okay, everything's calm. It went away. No, it didn't. So in the end, where did the silverware go? Oh, they're right where she said they should be. They're in a drawer sitting there. They will never get used. They will never get used because we will never have, If whenever we have more than 10 people over, we break out the plasticware. She knows it and I know it. Oh so God. someday she's going to take those goodwill and I'm going to be super wise. I'm going to go, I told you so. And start the crazy cycle, baby. What did, what does a theologian Ozzy Osbourne call it? The crazy train. Oh, anyway, so that's no, but that's where they are. And you know what? Honestly, I don't see him. I don't care. It's not a big deal. My my friend Rick Robinson said, "Ramos, what a rookie mistake. You know better than that." I go, "I know. I blew it." So sometimes we blow it, and when we do, make it right. So anyway, that's enough for today. Dale, take us home, brother. Yeah, guys, we want you to head on over to meninthearena.org and pick up Jim's newest book, Strong Men, Dangerous Times. And also, would you fill out the form to join our program that is coming out this fall? You need to do that soon because they're, like Jim said, there's limited space. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. 
What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.